for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Happy February, everybody. Today is February 2nd, 2021. We're back for another rendition, another Tuesday episode of the fall podcast and this week's guest is professional photographer chris hood out of wisconsin but we're talking about the deer that he killed in kansas this year so it's a success story it's an unbelievably huge deer and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this one all right welcome to the fall podcast i am your host aaron blasey and this is episode 145 and today's guest is Chris Hood. Chris Hood is a professional photographer and an unbelievable professional photographer at that. Uh, a lot of people have probably seen a lot of his work. If not, I recommend you go to his website and everything and his Instagram and look at some of the stuff that he's done because he's amazing. But today's episode, we're not really talking about photography. Today's episode, we are talking about a success deer story that he had this last fall in Kansas. He kills an absolute giant in Kansas. And it's pretty crazy how it come together. But not only did he, but I think it was two days later, his brother killed a bigger deer. And I don't know if two guys, especially two brothers, would have two days or two or three days apart like they have ever. I don't think they'll ever experience that. So it's a really cool success story. Chris is an awesome guy. Um, really cool to talk to. And actually his family owns Predator, the Predator Camo Company. The, wow, I can't talk today. The Predator Camo Company. So we get into that at the end of this podcast as well. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, obviously, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, hit subscribe on YouTube, follow the Instagram page, go to Facebook, follow the page, do everything. Let's uh, communicate a little bit. If you guys have anything you guys want to know or guest you want on the podcast or want to hear from, let me know. So we'll try my, I'll try my best to get them on. So appreciate you guys listening. Here's the interview with Chris Hood. All right. Welcome back to the fall podcast. And today we've got uh, photographer extraordinaire, professional photographer, one of my favorite photographers, <laughs> Chris Hood on. Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, man. You're uh, way too kind. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know what? This is the first time you and I've actually ever talked, um, and first time I ever really kind of met you. But you know, I've followed your stuff forever. I mean, you're like one of those guys that I 
when I, you know, was getting into doing what I'm doing and kind of, I, I came into it with like the video, uh, mindset first. And then the photography for me kind of like came afterwards and I'm nowhere near, I would, what I would call a professional photographer. I'm still like very green with it, but you're a guy that I was looking at, like, man, this guy is like really, really good, like upper echelon top tier and uh you're a guy that's been like just inspirational to me man so i i really appreciate that awesome man that's a uh, really appreciate it um that's always kind of you know i've always tried to obviously push the envelope with 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 what i do with what i shoot um and then on top of that is it always been you know the goal to, to to inspire people out there to to grab a camera and pick it up and you know if nothing for just more fun and to document their 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 story and what they're doing and and just to have fun with it because photography is a it's a really fun creative outlet you know it doesn't need to be a profession you know and a lot of times when you do make it a profession it kind of you know with anything you know it kind of takes a little bit of the joy of it out but yeah um, yep at the same time i mean it's a photography is such a such a fun thing to do and a creative outlet for for a lot of people to to go do something away from their job and just get creative and and just have fun so you know for me to inspire and and get guys and people and guys and girls to to grab cameras and go out and just have fun is is the whole goal you know so yeah definitely that's that's awesome and that's kind of the same thing with video like you said you know it, sometimes you can make a, a profession it can kind of get the fun out of it and that's something I never wanted it to do like as far as video for me you know because it's my profession and and it's never really gotten to that point yet so which I'm glad you know like it's just keep that drive going and stay creative and and kind of you know push the envelope a little bit on that and as well and and try new things that's what and to me video and photography I the best way I can describe it in my opinion is like obviously they're two different things but I feel like they're like even farther on the ends of the spectrum like opposite ends just because of like video you know it, it's hard for me to explain but like video is you know it's it could be very um I don't know what the word is for it but it could be very poetic i don't know if that makes sense and then uh, yeah. and photography can as well but photography i find myself looking at a picture sometimes and just staring at it for 10 minutes you know and just like like just trying to de like decipher it sometimes like different pictures and then video it's like maybe you're watching it over and over and over again but like i just feel like sometimes i get two different feelings out of different i don't know i could be just talking in circles and not making sense but like it's you know you're you're going for the same goal but you're it might be two different paths getting there if that makes sense yeah no they are they are very very different man it's um photography is uh you know you're looking to tell tell a, a story you know and connect connect with the the viewer you know in a in a way um where they don't have to to think too much and everything's right there and, and, and to a point where it moves them and video video is a little bit you know you got a lot more that goes into a lot more you know shots tied together and not right. they're not not all into one shot so it's a little bit more um i guess cumbersome maybe is a word yep um, definitely that's a good word for it yeah you know it's it, but it's but the same the same aspect you can create the same kind of emotion and, and feeling 
with video. Um, you know, and that's video something I've, I've toyed with a little bit. I haven't done much. You know, I shoot a lot of, you know, wildlife clips while I'm out, you know, to, to tie into with some of the brand marketing I do. Um, you know, but I'd like to get a little bit more into the video storytelling and, you know, the world we live in today, obviously, you know, you know, Instagram and, and YouTube these days, you know, videos is becoming a much bigger thing and, um, you know, and being able to tell, tell a little bit more of a story and, and um, engage a little bit more, I think is, you know, video allows you to do that. So. For sure. It definitely is. And I would love to sit here and talk about video and photography, but the real reason why I wanted you on today was to talk about the deer that you killed this year, this last year in Kansas. And not only that, but the deer that you and your brother both killed, I mean, within what was it? 24 hours of each other. Yeah, it was, uh, I think maybe, I think it was two days, but yeah, it was, okay. it was yeah, it was a pretty crazy couple of days for us. Um, you know, Kansas is a state that, you know, we've, we'd been going to and hunting, um, hunted for, I don't know, since I think my dad took us the first, took me the first time, I think right after I graduated college. Um, so back in like 06, I think my brother's first trip was after he graduated in 08. You know, so we've, we've always been going to Kansas. Um, it was always one of those states that, you know, had the possibility for some of those giant deer that, you know, he's, you know, we get some of those in Wisconsin for sure, but it's, it's definitely, um, I think a little bit harder. Um, you know, we've, we've got a farm here and, you know, we've had one deer in 30 years of owning a farm that's, you know, touched that 200 inch mark, you know, so it's, it just seems like it's a little bit harder to get that quality. And it seems like Kansas is a state that where you see it a little bit more often, you know, sure. it's, there's a lot of things that Kansas has going for as far as being a one buck state and, you know, just a few lower population people and, and just geographically where Kansas is, you know, with, you know, they have a pretty mild winter and, you know, green up in the spring is usually pretty consistent and pretty early. So those things are all, all are really conducive at, at growing big deer and, and having many big deer around. So it's always a state that's fun to go hunt. Yeah. You, and, and you that, get the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and it's one of those states that you can, you can get a tag almost every year. So yeah, that, and that's what I was going to elaborate on. It's getting harder now, you know, <laughs> as the years go on, like before it was over the counter, basically now it's a kind of a draw, isn't it? Like it's, Cause I've been hunting yeah. Kansas for the last two years. I've drawn both years, but we've had guys that have went like four years in a row getting a tag. And then like the fifth year don't get a tag. Yeah. There's, there's, it's definitely got a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, I think, I think last year, last year, my old man didn't draw, um, which was, I think maybe the only the first or second time he's done that in his, his career of hunting. Um, you know, He's been doing it since, you know, night, the late 90s going down there. So, I mean, it was really, you know, he's seen it kind of change. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's it's pretty much, you know, it's, you know, you can put in for, you know, combining, conjoining units kind of deal. And a lot of times that helps if one unit sells out and there's tags left in the other unit, you get one. Um, but, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely gotten more popular. More get more hunters are definitely going there, and there's with good reason because there's there's good deer and and some good hunting to, to be had. So hell yeah, there's man. It's it's a fun state. It's treated me well the last two years as well. So, um, but I guess to kick this off, 
you know, you said your dad's been going there since like the late nineties. Now, do you guys own property there? Is it public land or is it a lease? Like how does that work? Um, so kind of, um, no, we don't own anything. We've, we've debated, you know, looking at, um, some land here and there over the years and we just, it's tough. It's tough being, um, for us being, uh, you know, 12, 13 hours away from a, a, a piece of property that we had owned, um, to do the maintenance and the work and stuff. Uh, so from that standpoint, we've, we've, we've talked about it. We've kicked the ball. Um, certainly we've looked at stuff, listings and, um, but it's, um, we've been hunting, you know, back in the day we hunted with, uh, uh, an outfitter, you know, my dad had gone to them for, I don't know, 15 years or something. And, um, they really didn't have a name other than just Ken and Kent. Um, yep. and they, you know, I was down in that Comanche County, South central Kansas area, great area, <laughs> Cimarron river area, you know, just there's good genetics. It's good. It's good hunting. Um, and you know, they had a, they had a bunch of different leases, you know, they owned some land. Um, so they had a lot of different options and places to hunt. Um, and I mean, my dad seen some of the biggest deer of his life, you know, down there on like specifically on a, a ranch called the box ranch, uh, which actually, um, the Yeti, the Yeti boys own now. Okay. They, uh, and, and they've killed a couple 200 inch deer on there since they bought it. Um, but that same basic area, um, is always, you know, known that, that Comanche County, Barber County area down there is, you know, a really good area. And then, um, we, uh, for whatever reason, we kind of, we made, we made some friends up in Northwest Kansas and, um, my brother's become really, really good friends with a, a guy up there um, named Matt Bildenberger, and um, we'd begun to hunt with with them. Um, I don't know, must have been maybe 2011 ish, 12, maybe something like that. And Northwest Kansas is it's kind of similar country, um, but it's there's more it's more about river bottom river bottom stuff and um, a lot of the local guys out there, you know, it's mule deer, mule deer country as well. So, and there's giant mule deer there. So a lot of the local guys will hunt mule deer, you know, okay. 220 and 240 inch mule deer. Jeez, so Pete's <laughs> absolute giant mule deer. And for residents to get that, to get a mule deer tag is, is pretty tough. So, um, a lot of locals go that way. So some of the white tail hunting there gets overlooked. Um, and so we've been going there. Uh, or we went there, I guess, a few years. My brother still hunts there. Um, but last the last year I hunted there was, I think, I think 2015. And we had a group, a group, uh, you know, with Matt, his guys there, other couple guys. Uh, I think we shot six deer that year, and three of the six was the CWD. Oh, really? So, yeah, and the one in that one year you know right when we got there we actually put a stock on a deer and we got close my brother was at full draw and i was like i told him not to do it. the deer didn't look healthy something didn't look right and you know we watched that deer now again for another 20 minutes and it bedded down and we we just left and we came back the next day and sure enough it was dead right where it bedded down holy cow so basically i mean we watched the end of what cwd did to a deer there and so then we we had all the deer we shot tested and, and, you know, they, three of the six tested positive and wow. 
And that was, you know, that was after four or five years of hunting the area. And it always just kind of seemed like the quality and the, the age structure was kind of gone down a bit. So I made the choice to kind of take a break from it, um, you know, just to not be another guy shooting another deer and, and let, you know, try some, let some of the age structure recover and, um, you know, whatnot. So I kind of gone back to that um, South Central Kansas area with an outfitter. Okay. Uh, a buddy of mine had been going to for a couple of years and I knew the area, you know, it's got, you know, familiar with, you know, some of the area and, and, and whatnot. So it was, it was a easy, easy choice to go back down to that area because I just know the quality and, and whatnot was there. So, yep. Now I want to go back a little bit, like talking about the CWD when you guys, you know, basically found that a lot of those deer were positive and you saw that like with the CWD, did you, I mean, did you see, were there years where you're like, man, we just don't have any like good three-year-olds on the farm or we don't have any good, like two-year-olds. Like, did you ever like pick up on stuff like that where it's like, man, just one total year, like there's no bucks. Like it's almost like two-year-old, no three-year-olds. And then you got four-year-olds. Have you ever seen that? No, not so much that is it, it, cause it, you know, to my understanding is the CWD, it really, it takes a few years to, to really take effect on a deer. So it really doesn't affect the deer until, until they're older, you know, yep. four or five, four or five years old. So, you know, that just, we always seem to have, you know, the age, the age, the younger bucks used to also be there, but we, you know, we'd go from year to year and be like, man, what happened to these deer? You know, they, we should have these giants running around that we, everybody passed from the year before. And then they just weren't there. Um, it just kind of disappeared and, and obviously you know we tested we saw the one die that year and then or basically and then we we started to, you know getting them tested and and found out it was it was cwd and and uh, uh and whatnot so we kind of that was you know just kind of there's less of the mature ones i guess there and right. um, i don't know if you know there is less cwd there or if you know if there's a change in that but um, it definitely, you know, at least for, you know, me not being there, it, it, you know, some of the properties seem to seem to be getting some of that age structure back. So okay. that's a good thing. So, I mean, they've, my brother's killed a couple of good ones, um, there in the last, I don't know, four or five years. And, uh, Matt and his daughter and his wife, they've all killed some pretty good deer. Um, now given they've got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover as well too. So that, so that helps. Yep, for sure. Well, that's good to hear though. You know, that stuff's starting to come back. So that's good. I, I hate to see that, you know, when you go around, you're just finding deer left and right, seeing deer suffer. It's just a bad deal. Yeah, it is for sure. It is. So, well, so then you transitioned, you, you went down to, you know, more Southern Kansas, like you said. So I guess to, to kick off the story with this buck, do you have history with this buck other than this year? Yeah. So, you know, the, the place that, the place that I hunt, um, they've got, I want to shoot, I want to say like, you know, 20 leases on, you know, like 20 or so different farms. And they're, they're probably, you know, totaling about 55 to 60,000 acres. And, um, so, and that's for, for, you know, to get that next level quality and size, it's, it's a good, it's a good place to go because they've got so many options that they can bounce around. And if, you know, they're, you know, the, the age, the age that they need, you know, they try and, they try and shoot, you know, five plus year olds. Right. And bounce around properties. Um, if there just hap doesn't happen to be an older deer there, 
um, you know, like we'll kind of just leave that property bit and whatnot for you know, for a year or whatever. So it gives it gives that um, gives you choices and gives you the ability to 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 find those older deer to hunt, which is really nice. And so we had you know we had trail cameras and and um, and pictures of this deer at the the place the same stand that I actually shot him from last year, but he was just a just a nice really nice nine pointer um we figured we figured we weren't sure you know we figured four or five um i was kind of leaning towards four um but he was a nice nice nine pointer i mean he was probably one 150 155 ish that's a huge nine pointer <laughs> yeah that's a good one right, so you know i think i think we even actually sat it a couple times just to try to get eyes on him and, and see and there's a couple other good deer on that same area um and we hunt you know that actually that property is over by kind of by the the famous uh hash knife if you ever yep heard of so that that's uh that that farm that we hunt is kind of over there by that so um and they're pretty strict on their management plan and only shoot old deer and i think they, they've got like eighty thousand acres and only take like 10 hunters or something like that so um so it's a good farm to be around as well. Just that neighborhood is um, managed, you know, a lot of land managed for old deer, which is, which is good. So, yeah. So that, that year that he was a nine pointer. So that was the first year you guys really even started watching him. Cause you figured he was probably four or five years old that year then. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we tried to hunt there, you know, not necessarily to, to shoot that deer, but to, to see, you know, get him out in front of you and, and make a, make a decision then, but we actually never did see the deer. Um, and um i was actually there was actually a bigger deer that we were getting kind of consistent pictures of so we we changed plans and we went we went quite a bit east um you know towards sharon or or medicine lodge you know further you know a good hour hour and a half east of where where i was hunting um to a different property and you know it was there was a really good deer there uh and I, i sat that for that deer i don't know six, seven days, almost, you know, every day for that deer. We just never did see him. Um, the guy ended up shooting that deer during the rifle season. He was like a 175. Oh, nice wow. <laughs> so, and, and then I was just kind of running on, running low on days. And, um, I ended up just shooting kind of a management eight pointer, um, you know, kind of taking one for the team to, you know, try and shoot a management deer, and, you know, in hopes, hopes that, uh, it would, it would help for the overall, you know, management plan right. for the year, you know, so. Yep. So then coming into this next year, you know, this, this fall, you know, and I'm sure, do you go down there and help with any, you know, prep work or anything like that? Or, you know, are yeah, you involved I, with any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, so, uh, my buddy, Nick, uh, the hunt with, he, uh, he's, he's actually, he's actually bought into a couple of farms. He's actually buying a second farm down there with, with the outfitter and one of the big farmers, down there and i think his new farm he's buying is by himself um his own little 200 acre piece but um i'll, I'll go down there with with him in, in the spring and we'll do some work you know you know whether yep. it's um field work or feeder work or or you know one year we did some irrigation work um and you know do some shed hunting and all that kind of stuff and and then obviously in the early fall we'll go down and help set some cameras and start getting some pictures and inventory and all that kind of stuff and man going into the year it was it was a year that there was really good deer um they had a couple deer 
that on camera that were like world class. Like one of them was a non typical deer that I would say was in the two twenty to holy cow two forty two fifty. I mean, you don't even holy know. crap with, the, with all the mass and the non typical. Yep. You don't really know exactly where it goes. You know, it's just one of those deer that's hard to score. But it was world class and. Um, um, Nick, uh, my buddy, he he actually he's gotten so whitetails crazy that he he actually bailed out of his elk hunt. You know, he's you know in a spot that he's hunted every year in Colorado. Um, he was just like, you know what? I don't even care. I want to get to Kansas and try and hunt these these deer. And yep. Um, and the other one was like a typical, well, mostly typical, but yeah, I bet she was one ninety five ish. Oh my gosh. You know, and they were getting pretty consistent photos of them in the in the summer and, and whatnot. So, and and he left and went and hunted the opener the first you know week of the season, and he sat for both those deer and never saw either one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and, yeah, right. And, and and the one, the typical one, I don't know that they ever got another photo of after like the twenty eighth of September or something. So I don't know if somebody else shot him or, or what. Yeah. But, you know, and that, that opener too uh, of Kansas, usually, you know, it's in September. So it's like hotter than the hinges of Haiti. Usually, you know, the yeah. ticks and the bugs are out. And I guess if you can sit through that, it couldn't be very eventful, but man, it is just so tough. You're sweating your bag off. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, you always wonder like, what the hell am I doing out here right now? Cause you're, you know, you might not be seeing deer in like his case, he wasn't seeing the bucks he wanted to. So it's like, shit, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not, you're just basically trying to hunt them really on just food on the evening. I mean, you can, you can do a morning hunt, but it more than likely you're, you know, not really going to, you know, cause you're going to probably push them off of the food. Right. You're gonna, you can maybe try and get into a funnel where they're leaving from food to go back to bed or whatever, but you're, you're just window opportunity is super short. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough time to invest, um, you know, a week, a week of, time to go whitetail hunting but it can be um it can work if if you time it right and if you got the information you know a deer is hitting hitting a field or a food source or whatever even you know in kansas you can use feeders so if it's hitting a feeder or whatever um that you know it's a good time to go but um if for whatever reason it doesn't work out it's 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 long days of sitting around waiting for the that last hour <laughs> yeah that is for sure um, so when you were going down there this, this off season, I mean, obviously they were probably getting pictures of this buck all the time, the buck that you were, you ended up taking. So like, were they sending you pictures where you're like, man, this is the deer that I'm going to go after or like, how did that unfold? So, so actually, um, what's crazy is no, they didn't actually have pictures of this deer at all. Really? Um, yeah. What well, and they had obviously those other big deer and, and whatnot, but there was, there was a deer at that same stand where we figured, we figured it was a five or six year old deer. And he was a, you know, it was a 160, 10 pointer heavy. Um, you know, so I, they kept sent, sending me photos of that deer and, you know, I was, that was going to be the deer I was going to target. I was per- perfectly happy with trying to target that deer. And it was in the area where we knew of this nine pointer, but we, you know, just, we hadn't seen him this year, um, for whatever reason. And, um, I made the actual, you know, I usually, we usually get on a hunt, you know, the weekend before Thanksgiving, 
which is like the gun opener up in Wisconsin. So it's a good time to kind of get out of here and, and go down. Uh, but the last couple of years, it just seemed like the the first couple of days I were getting there was the best activity. So this last year I made a, you know, we got, we got into the week beforehand. And um, so I went down about actually I was still chasing deer up here. So I didn't leave until I think maybe Tuesday. I should have been there on Monday, but um, there was a weather change coming up here that I wanted to hit at least one more day. And then there was a weather, you know, a front coming through Kansas down there. So I, I hightailed it down. I think I got there on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. Got a, you know, got got situated, got you know, unloaded, shot my bow, got dialed in, and and then uh, shoot, it was it was. Must have must have been like maybe I got there Thursday morning and got all set in and then Thursday night just went and jumped in that stand for that that you know one sixty ten point that we we're gonna go try and target. And as we as he drops me off and we check the camera, I pull the card and dump all the pictures onto my phone before I jump in the stand. Yeah. And start quickly started going through them. I'm like, well that ten pointer is here, that's good. And there's another another buck that we hadn't seen on that, on that stand, which was a you know, super tall, um, nine pointer. It was kind of a lopsided rack, but he was, he was a nice deer, but we figured he was just a four year old. And then, and then all of a sudden you went back two days before <laughs> beforehand and this deer was on that camera. I'm like, well, we're like, Oh shit, that's a big deer. You know? And so we were like, all right, I mean, we're planning on sitting it anyway, but we're like, well, good. I mean, there's another option here. So, um, it was uh it was definitely uh exciting to see that and um i didn't really put two and two together that it was this other deer because he was a nine point the year before and this other deer or this, the deer this year was uh was a 10 with trash yep. and blowing up it was a you know pretty big deer i figured he was upper 170s um for sure you know didn't really know for sure what he was but um and then you know you know, I wasn't in in the tree for two hours. You know, I'd seen a couple of bucks come through, a couple of does, a couple of does come through, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, at like 4:30, which is pretty early, um, from where we drove in, walked down this deer and kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't quite ready to, you know, to see or to see that right. early in the, in the in the evening, and and uh, um, I. Uh, you know, quickly turned the camera on. I did get some, some video of it and whatnot. I expected him to kind of, there was two does at the corn, you know, that he, that I figured he'd come check out or whatever. Um, I figured I had some time and then he kind of just came down, kind of looked that way and then turned and started walking directly away from me. And I was like, Oh crap. Like, so I, at that point I kind of just pointed the camera in an area where I figured it would, you know, he'd be, and I just grabbed the bow and it was, Windy as hell, like crazy wind. <laughs> Not in Kansas. <laughs> kind of standard for Kansas, especially, yeah. especially out west where I where where I'm hunting is there's there's not a lot of tree rows and not a lot of um, terrain change. So it's it that for whatever reason out west, if it says it's um, blowing, you know, fifteen it, out there, it's probably blowing twenty five to thirty. Yeah, you got to double it usually. <laughs> it's crazy, um, but it was a quartered wind kind of. 
you know, so he was kind of walking into the wind away and he, he was moving relatively quick and he was walking dead away from me. And I was like, well, shit, did I just lose my opportunity? And I, I you know, I recognized it was the bigger deer right away. Right. And obviously if you see a deer that size, you just like immediately you just say, Oh shit, that's it. You know? <laughs> yep. And, and so he started walking away and, um, I ranged a couple spots and he was at about 50 and he turned, turned broadside and started walking to the right. And I was like, okay, well that's, you know, that's about, um, my range on a whitetail. And, and, um, he was kind of walking and, um, not fast at this point. I don't know. I don't know if he would have turned and came back to the corner or whatever, but I wasn't going to take the chance and I wasn't going to let a deer like that walk out of, out of sight, you know, or out of range at that point. And so I, I, uh, put my pin at 50 and he probably had gotten a, you know, quarter just angled just away a little bit further to hit him just a touch low. Um, but you know, I shot him for 50 and it was probably more like 53, 54, something like that. Um, and yeah, he ran, didn't run, you know, 40 yards and basically down in sight still like the sun's still up and like you know it's, it's it was crazy like i didn't expect to see a deer like that that early in the night and all that kind of stuff and yeah um, you know it was the first night of the hunt and um just got in a tree and they didn't have any pictures of that of that deer until until you know we checked the card that day you know so um yeah it was pretty crazy and the other thing is when he came in he had a he had a pretty good limb to him and I didn't you know, I didn't grab my binos and look close or anything. I just I just noticed the limp and um come to find out that he had been shot in the you know, high shoulder, somebody high shouldered him probably I don't know, at least you could see on the camera two days prior he had, had that wound, which I yep. didn't see I didn't see because I wasn't looking for it, but um you could see it on the pictures. So um i he obviously been shot you know two two at least two days prior um to that and so you know i don't know if that's what kicked him out of his normal home home core or whatever um you know if they went looking for him and bumped him out of there and all this while all of a sudden he showed up on our cameras and then obviously that was there again the day that i hunted it and offered me an opportunity to shoot him so yeah that's crazy that's what i was thinking like you know, if he, he had just shown up on camera, did he get kicked out of some area, you know? And, and what day was that? November, like, 15th, this, or was that? I think, like, maybe the, yeah, 14th or 15th, something like that. Okay. And now, have you seen that, like, lately or whenever you've been hunting down there? Like, the rut is, like, usually later in November down there? Um. So, yeah, um, you know, and I had... Uh, you know, over the years of hunting, it, it, it's always seemed, it always seems like it is later than it is in Wisconsin. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's just you know geographically, you know, because it's that much further south or whatever. But it always seemed like it always seemed like that. You know, twelfth to the seventeenth time frame is, is is good. Yep. You know, I've got some buddies who who are, live and hunt down there, and that's their favorite days. Are every year are the twelfth to like the eighteenth. Like that's their favorite days. Um, I was chatting with the tax down there who, you know, butcher does, you know, does a lot of the butchering and, you know, the caping and that stuff. And I was chatting with him that this year, asking him what he thought the best, best time to be there. And 
his what he said is the 19th to the 26th is, is his window okay he like he likes that that third you know kind of that third week of almost a week of thanksgiving you know is what he prefers yeah and um, that that's something that we've noticed the last four or five years as well as like kind of what both of you said anywhere from the 15th to like thanksgiving is usually when it turns on, but we always spend majority of the time like, you know, November 1st till like the 15th. And it's like, and then you're like beating your head against the wall. Cause like you do see some rut activity, but man, it's just not like that running like crazy. You know, we've never really seen that until in the latter part of November. And once we start figuring that out, it's like, okay, things are starting to fall into place a little more. Um, but I, I know it can be really situational and, and farm dependent and location and everything. But like, man, from everybody I talk to, like some of my best friends, they hunt um, more southeast Kansas. And they've been down there the last two years. And there's seven of them that, that, that go to public land. And they do really well from that 12th, like you said, 12th to like the 17th, 18th time frame. They do mm-hmm. really well in that time. Like kill some real good deer on public land with a bow. So Yeah. And- and, and you know, you know the, where I go with this outfitter too, it's the the benefit of of the it being in that last group is is it's usually the dates are usually um, the hunt usually technically ends the day um, the day of Thanksgiving or the day before Thanksgiving. Um, but he's got no more clients coming, and usually he takes like I think like four rifle hunters a year. That's it. Um, and he's, he's got nobody else coming in, so he'll let you stay all the way through Thanksgiving, all the way to the start of the gun season. Oh, that's nice. So it's yeah, it's super super nice to have that option, and it actually it, it works out really well too. Is because that that Thanksgiving on time frame to the first of the rifle, they start kind of coming back and hitting the food and or checking the food for for the does, and then you know if you also if you've got a spot that's got got a winter wheat field usually that that thanksgiving to the you know fifth or whatever of, of of december they start hitting the greens down there again so that that can be a really good opportunity at that point too yep yeah that's i mean for sure definitely i mean what we see as well and the 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 problem with what we have is it's a big our lease is just a big cattle ranch so it's like there's not a lot of green on it you know so destination food for us is basically throwing corn out (laughs) you know and just trying to keep it consistent which is you know it works in kansas better than i've ever seen it work anywhere you know that you can bait or do anything like that but it's sometimes it's a necessity like you i mean those deer out there are so nomadic man and it's like you know it's a wide open pasture and it's like why the hell is that 180 inch deer way the hell out there by himself, like doing nothing, Yeah, you know, not a tree around him. And it's yeah. like, they'll live, out, they'll live out in the middle of nowhere in the grass and stuff. And, and it's, it's insane, man. It's, it's some of those big deer that's, they just live out where there's no people, there's no nothing. And it, it just can get away from people and deer and, you know, do their thing. And then obviously during the rut, they'll come back to where all the does are. Yeah. That's where- lucky like i did you know i got super lucky i guess you know the fact that their hunter had shouldered that deer and didn't kill him and then for him to obviously you know get moved off he you know they i don't know whether it was just because he got shot or because they weren't pushing looking for him thinking he was dead and 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 that kicked him out of there but either way he that you know deer knew 
knew our spot. And, you know, he came back, you know, to hit the corn a couple of days, you know, obviously a wounded deer typically will definitely go back to, you know, trying to eat and get, you know, food in them. Um, so, and which is weird. He didn't, he didn't stay at the corn, you know, the night that I shot him. I, and I had to shoot him at like 50 yards instead of 20 yards or 25 yards. Or whatever. But, um, but I'll take it, man. I got, I got, I got lucky and, um, you know, obviously we knew the deer was there in the area, um, but, uh, you know, not having any pictures of them until just before I got there and, and whatnot, it was, uh, there was a lot, a lot of luck that went in into that and I'll take it. Sometimes it pays to be you know, better lucky than good. You know? Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's, it's funny you bring up that instance as far as like, you know, two days before you were there, he's on the corn and then it's like the day that you're there, he shows up, but he doesn't go to the corn. Like, I feel like that kind of instance, something like that happens a lot. Like what, like, you know, what is it in that deer's intuition or, you know, in his head that it's like, I better not go to the corn today. You know, did he like, like what? It may, it's crazy. And maybe it was just cause it was so early in the day, but he was moving, you know, I don't know if he, he cause it was, it was windy and with the wind, the sun came in, it was getting cold. So if that I'm on, on his feet earlier than he typically would, and, you know, maybe that's why he didn't sure. want to go corn then, um, you know, and he was just maybe going to go change where he was at it, that wind or whatever, then come back to the corn after dark or something. I really can't say exactly what, what, what the reasoning was, but, uh, um, I'll definitely take it, you know. <laughs> For sure. And 50 yard shot, man, people don't take vacations that far. That's a hell of a shot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to give credit to, to Matthews, man. They've been they've been making some amazing bows and, you know, I've been, um, you know, blessed with the ability to work with those guys, you know, for the last five or six years. And, um, you know, they're just the, the improvement that they make year after year is just amazing. And, you know, I shot, I shot my elk this year at, at 55 and then my white tail as well at about that, you know, 50 to 55 range. And, um, I wouldn't ever take that shot unless I was confident in, in my bow and my, on my my ability and, and obviously the 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 bow is a huge part of that and then you know the new the new v3 man it's got it's it just it's a shooter you know there's yeah. no way no way else to explain it other than it's just a damn good bow yep amen man i i agree i've i've shot matthews for the last couple of years i've got a verdicts and i got a vxr and i don't have a v3 yet but um honestly that verdicts it's it's pretty sentimental to me now i mean I shot the biggest deer of my life with it two years ago and you know, it'll never, I used it again this year over my VXR, but it was just because like, it's got a good omen going with it right now. So I better keep it going. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I couldn't agree more. Those, those bows are, I mean, any more bows are just, they're getting so good that it's like, what do you do differently? Or, you know, it's personal preference a lot of times, but man, those bows just fit me so well, and I I love it. They're they're fun to shoot, man. It's just the 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 little tweaks this year too, with the you know the the cable guard, you know, moving that and everything else, and the, you know the the smaller harmonic dampeners. And it's it's just a incredibly good bow, man. I shoot all summer with it, you know, I practice out to you know hundred yards, you know, even when I roll into elk camp, we you know me and me and the the guy to hunt with, we always have bow shoot like a shoot off and we're always back at 100 110 yards shooting and uh you know you just it's a testament to the 
their many you know their engineering and their manufacturing they can build bows that are that are that good you know so heck yeah man yeah so to go back to the hunt real quick what when did you realize this was that nine pointer um you know really didn't didn't really realize it until later that night you know when we're sitting around you know looking at them when we got them you know hung up and looking at them and, and everyone's you know we're having a having a cocktail celebrating sure. what man that's that rack the way his rack was is is it was this kind of you know it was a big frame but then the tines all kind of tilted in just a little bit um kind of like an a-frame you know and um you know i started thinking about it and i was like man you know what i think that might be that nine pointer from the year before and you know we, we started looking back at the photos and we're like yeah absolutely is and pretty crazy to see i mean that he was you know probably in that you know 150 155 range as a nine and then um he was 185 this Holy year cow. <laughs> so for for him to to blow up that much is in a, in a one year um one year span is pretty crazy and um but it just shows you like you know i've, I've been the last i don't know six seven years try and uh, try and hunt five-year-old plus deer and um it's amazing what you know deer will do when once they get to that five-year age mark it just you know they can blow up and they can reach that next level of you know 170 175 plus type of deer so yeah that's crazy that's a deer of a lifetime man how many how many scoreable did he have um so he was a he was a mainframe 10 he had um kind of two kickers off of each g2 he had um, two kickers or two extras on each of the brows. One, one would have had another one, but it broke. And then he had one kind of inside, inner inline point between his G two and G three on his right side. I got gotcha. you. Mostly, mostly a typical frame. I think he's got. I think he's got a um, like a 170, 170 to one seventy two typical frame, and the rest are the extras. Jeez, that's crazy. So oh. crazy. So then you killed, or did your brother kill before you? Is that how it went down? Nope, nope. So so I shot that one. Um, it would have been, I guess, so yeah, like a Wednesday or Thursday, whatever it was. And then um, my brother, you know, he'd, he had been to Kansas once earlier in the season or that beginning of November time frame. You know, and he's got a, you know, he's got a one-year-old or one-and-a-half-year-old at home now. So his his ability to get away is is definitely – um much harder so uh he went for a, a long weekend during that frame and and his wife you know was awesome obviously allowed him to to get out for a few days and but he had to get back and um he had had a few encounters with the deer he was after and but just never could get him close enough and you know and he you know during those hunts he's texting me and telling me man i think this is gonna be this could be the biggest deer of my life like he's huge like He's bigger than I think he is and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, and the fact that he was seeing him and he's, and then he had to leave, it was just killing him, at, you know, not being able to be there and to keep chasing that deer. And, um, it worked out. Um, his wife was, um, wanted to go back with him and, um, they took Fletcher with them and they were able to, um, he was able to get, you know, three, four days of hunting. In and, um, he was in, he was planning on doing a morning sit and then getting out, but, um when i actually go go back to the night before um 
Matt had been out there kind of watching and that deer was on a neighbor's property and there was a couple guys that were hunting that property, but they were trying to hunt them spot and stock. And they had that deer at 40 yards and couldn't get a, couldn't get a shot at him. Oh man. But he was still on a neighbor's property. And so that whole, that whole night when my brother gets there, um, he said he slept maybe like three hours like <laughs> all night that he's like, going to kill this deer. I'm not going to, not going to get a chance at him. He's just, you know, it just was killing him. Um, so I didn't sleep really. And he's out there just going to get a, a morning hunt in. And, you know, we talked about where to hunt and whatnot. And, he, you know, they had a stand kind of close to the road um, on this river bottom. And we figured if he was over on the neighbor's property, that'd probably be the best spot to beat him, you know, if he crosses back. And, and he wasn't in the stand for an hour and he got, he caught a glimpse of that deer in the middle of the, of the farm that he could hunt. And he's like, he's, he's back on us. Like I feel so relieved and all this and that. And he's like, well, I'm in the wrong stand. I was like, well, move, you know, you know, take a chance and go get closer. And so he, he did, he went and got to a different tree and man, he had the deer go by like three different times at like 60 or something, and, you know, in some brush and in the high grass and couldn't get shots. And, um, and he had watched him basically bed down with a doe in, in this area that, that they had planted. Um, they tried to do a cornfield, but it didn't work, you know, it, it, for whatever reason. Um, but so they went back in and planted, um, you know, switchgrass and whatnot. So it made this, this huge bedding area with, with some, you know, some odds and then corn, corn in there. So it was the perfect spot for the, you know, them to go bed up. And so he's watching them and he's texting me. He's like, man, I can see his horns. He's right there, but he's in the grass and he's, you know, outside of, you know, it's probably 50 yards or so, uh, you know, so we kind of drew up a game plan and, you know, I, I was going to kind of drive in and uh, cause I was, I was going to go up there and hang out for the weekend and um, hang out with my nephew and, and Mike's wife and whatnot. And, and the, uh, we made a game plan and he's like, you know, pull in park here. You might be able to see him from there. And well, I pull in and of course I don't listen. I, you know, pull <laughs> to where I have a better view of the deer. And, um, I must've, I must've got him up and, um, the deer started, started kind of slowly trotting and was going to go back to the neighbor's property, I think. And, um, luckily Mike was in the right stand and he ran, you know, trotted by at about 10 yards and he was able to stick him. Oh my gosh. And he was what, like in one nineties? Yeah. 195. Oh was, my uh, gosh. It's just an absolute giant, like a deer you dream of. And like Mike, Mike knew, like he, he thought it was going to be his biggest deer ever. And he's shot, you know, a 175, you know, 172 in Iowa and, you know, he's shot some good deer. He's like, I think this could be my biggest deer ever. But man, when we walked up on that deer, we we weren't ready for it. To oh be my big. god, I can only imagine. Yeah, you know, and it, we obviously were a little competitive and whatnot. And Mike's had the biggest deer in the family for a while, <laughs> and I I was able to shoot a 185, and I had the I had the throne for all of two days. And take, <laughs> so, yeah, oh. it was a pretty pretty incredible couple of days, and you know, to be able to go up there and kind of, I guess, take a part in 
helping make it happen, even though I kind of, you know, might have screwed it up too at the same time by, you know, parking the car where I did and um, trying to get eyeballs on them. And, um, but it, it worked out. Luck, you know, luck was our, in our again. And, um, yeah, it made for a, made for a really fun weekend. You know, we're, everybody came over and, you know, cause a few guys had known of that deer and, you know, everybody came over to see it and, you know, had some cocktails and scored it and, just had a good time, and then we went pheasant the next day. So hell yeah, man! And honestly, you could always tell your brother that he wouldn't have killed that deer if it wasn't for you to drive in there. You know, right? Exactly. So. I mean, never know. I mean, he could have he could have stayed bedded with that doe right there, and and never never got up and moved, or they could have sure. got up the other way too. You know. Yeah. So he should be thanking you, really. <laughs> oh man, that's great, though. Two. I mean. You'll you guys probably never top that in you know two days ever again probably. <laughs> probably not. You know, I mean, we've been going, we've been going to Kansas for a long time, and and those those are both the biggest deer either of us have ever shot there. So, um, both both the biggest deer are both of our lives. You know, we, we obviously hunted a lot. You know, Wisconsin and Iowa and Kansas and and whatnot. So it was yep. a pretty cool thing to to have happen this year you know definitely man well before we wrap this up uh we're coming up on time here i do want to brush on something that like i didn't even know until um adam bender actually uh told me you know a friend of yours friend of mine here and um he said your family you guys own predator camo which i did not know that and that's been a company that's been around for a long time could you could you just you know elaborate a little bit on that yeah um you know so the you know, family that's been the family business for since they bought they bought it from the guys who originally designed the camo, um, who who he started in eighty seven. They bought they bought it from him um in eighty nine, brought him on as for a few years. Um, but yeah, so they've been doing product ammo. You know, they did a tree stand company before that and they did both for a while and then just just transitioned to just doing the camo and been doing that ever since 89 so it's uh pretty crazy in, in the world that we live in today with the you know big big conglomerates that are buying up a lot of the brands whatnot to still have you know a family a small family business um you know and it's it's we've obviously been the been the the you know different looking camp forever now there's you know and Kuyu and, 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 and First Light and all these other camo patterns that aren't trying to look like a tree. They're more right. looking to break your pattern, your, your, your outline up, which is what Predator's been forever. Uh, and it's, you know, there's a reason behind it and why, you know, for, for bow hunters especially that are trying to get close um, to why it, why it works and it, it helps. You know, you don't always need camo, but, you know, in situations where you do, you you'd be amazed what you can get away with, you know, wearing like predator for sure. You know, it's just that deer, you know, if you get or whatever and they look your way, you just, you know, freeze up and still, they, they can't make out a, a person, a human, and, you know, they easily get their eyes, get tricked back to just not seeing anything. And you get away with a lot more. Um, and I think it's made us more successful over the years for sure in situations. Yeah, and it's it, Predator. I've been a, a fan of Predator for a long time, and then when Adam told me that, I'm like, oh, shit, I'll have to bring that up to him because I didn't know that you guys had, you know, owned that and everything, and and uh, I think that's really cool. It's, it's to me, 
that's what a lot of people said. Like, you know, when I was looking back, looking at it back in the day, everybody's like, why would you want like camel like that? And I'm like, cause that kind of camel works. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it was. It was different for sure. But like, I felt like that was like something that you would definitely blend in on in a lot of different scenarios. And you guys offer a lot of different stuff as far as, you know, browns and greens. So like for turkey hunting and stuff like that, or elk hunting and, you know, it's, it's really cool. And I think it's cool that you guys are still a small family owned company. And like you said, I mean, everybody's getting bought up and, and, uh, you know, Wisconsin has a rich tradition of hunting, just like Michigan. And, and I feel like, you know, predator camel that like, when I think of that, I feel, think of predator camel, I I think of tradition, if that makes sense. Like that's what goes hand in hand with me. Yeah. And and what's crazy is, you know, predator's got a, a, a niche cult, type following that um you know absolutely loves the, the product and the patterns and, and they they won't wear anything else they they swear by it you know and that's it's really cool to have that um you know and it's it's a the the gear that we make obviously we make our own products we don't um we don't really do a whole lot of licensing for other companies to, to produce products um we've done some of that over the years we like to have control of the inputs, you know, the fabrics and the and the 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 how you know because a lot of times you know companies will look to make you know cheap stuff and and you know cotton products or whatever and the and the dye the dye of the pattern. You know, we've always produced stuff that's going to last you know longer and is going to you know obviously from a technical standpoint we want to produce better you know, functionable for, for the bow hunter and for, you know, the elk hunter running around the mountains out West to the, the the tree stand hunter, you know, when the leaves fall off and you're sitting in zero degree weather with 30 mile an hour winds in Michigan. Yeah, definitely. I think, did I lose you there? No. Okay. You were, I think you cut out there for a second, but yeah, Definitely. I agree. Like you guys, you guys offer it all. And, you know, if anybody listened to this, wanted to know more about it, where would you direct them to go or even, you know, where do you guys sell it at? Maybe is it all direct consumer? Like, how does that work? Um, no, so we're, we're, uh, um, we do do direct to consumer. We do, um, oh, I don't know about maybe 60% of our business today. Um, that way, um, we used to do a lot. We used to do a lot with, um, Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops, but, um, we haven't done much with them since the they have the the, the merger, um, and there's still still a lot of arch mom and pop types are dealers for us. Um, so if you want to see and check out some stuff, definitely go on our website. And just, just look up the dealer locator and and see uh, if there's somebody in your area um, that might might have it. If not, uh, usually pretty good with our with our return policy and and you know ordering stuff and you know, getting stuff that fits and make sure, you know, because our sizing is a little bit, you know, tricky. You know, there's some products that run a little bit small, some that run a little bit big. It's just, yep. you know, so stuff out. Um, but um, I think, I think a lot of guys can order that stuff and be um, improve, improve their success, you know, hopefully keep guys in the tree longer or, or keep guys out in the woods chasing elk or whatever may be longer, you know, drier and, and, you know, what you know just warmer and whatever 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 the situation may be so for sure yeah definitely 
Well, very cool, man. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on and doing this. And uh, I appreciate that. And thank you for the story. I mean, what a hell of a deal. Dear, congratulations on that, man. And hopefully maybe next year you'll kill a bigger one and we can do this talk again. <laughs> That's the goal every year, right? <laughs> for sure. But yeah, no, thanks for having me, having me on, man. It was fun. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess if anybody out there wants to you know, see your photography or anything like that, like where would be the best place they go to, to see that? Um, you can, uh, follow me on Instagram is, uh, just Chris J hood. Um, otherwise, uh, my website is Chris hood photography. Um, that's kind of geared more towards the fine art, selling prints and that kind of stuff, but more of the, uh, combination of the wildlife photography and the, the hunting stuff and some of the stuff I do with, you know, the other brands and, and, you know, stuff I do with Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is stuff I'll share on there. So definitely give that a follow. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much. And again, you know, good luck then next year and, and hopefully you'll uh, kill another one and we can do this again. So man, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Likewise. Have a good, have a good year. You too. There it is. Another great episode. Chris Hood, thank you very much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And I'm going to end this basically like I end every other podcast, but I got to remind everybody, please go to iTunes. I'm begging you, leave a five-star rating and leave a review. And the reason why I say that is because it helps us with the rankings. It gets the fall podcast up a little higher and it gets it out to more people so more people can listen to it. So, And I do want to say thank you. I, I should probably print off a, a list because I can't remember everybody. But I get constant DMs now um, of people just loving the podcast and the support. So if you've wrote me, thank you. Um, I know you guys know who you are if that you wrote me. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys, hopefully my voice and, and, and the way I talk and all the ands, the ums, and the and the sos and for sures that I say don't get annoying. So uh, thank you guys very much. And like I said, go, go do all that stuff with the social media. Like it. Subscribe to it. I appreciate it. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you guys right here next week on the Fall Podcast. <laughs>